The reading this morning is from Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 29. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he re rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Thank you very much, Helen, for that reading. Uh, I'd love you to keep Mark chapter 9 open as we'll be looking at it in a moment together. But before that, a bit of church family news. Let me say first of all, and make sure I don't forget to pass on birthday greetings to little Olivia, who's going to be two this coming week. I hope the card has made it safely to you. Also this week, on Tuesday at 10.30, Kaleidoscope will be happening. Joan Church is going to be sharing a little bit about her life. Uh, you might not know this, but uh, it's made it into book form recently, some of the stuff she'll be mentioning on Tuesday and sales of those books or part of the sales of those books are going towards the work of Shelford and Stapleford Youth Initiative. So if you want to find out a little bit more about that or, or uh, be involved in supporting that work by uh, getting hold of a book about Joan's life, then come along on Tuesday, please. Kaleidoscope, 10.30 on Tuesday. And please, even if you've not been before, we'd love to see you there. So uh, join us by Zoom for that meeting. Home groups are going to be continuing. Uh, apart from that Tuesday morning, the rest of the home groups are operating next week, continuing with Life Explored. And you might want to be wondering, uh, as we go through those uh, 
evenings and those meetings week by week. Is there somebody I can share what I've been learning with or somebody who I could invite on this course uh, when we run it in the future in April, I think. In March, there'll be a bit of a change of direction for the home groups in that we're going to have three interview evenings, looking at some interviews about the whole matter of sharing our faith with others. A number of people have asked that we could do that. And of course, uh, anyone is able to join those groups, even if you've not been a member of them, just for those three sessions. We'd love to have you join up. In fact, it's worth me saying that uh, some folk have enjoyed doing the groups by Zoom because they're free to attend a Zoom group when they wouldn't actually be able to join a, a group in person normally for whatever reason, because of their circumstances. And if that's you, then we're hoping we'll be able to have a group that runs by Zoom even when we get out of lockdown. Um, if you want to make trial of that for the time being, then please join us in the groups in the meantime. If you're not after an idea for Lent, then uh, a suggestion I've got is this. Uh, I have set myself, um, with the encouragement of Susu, to read a book called Gentle and Lowly. I've started it, 23 short chapters. Um, it will repay gradual reading rather than uh, sitting and reading in a quick uh, burst. So it's ideal for this sort of season. And I'd love to invite you to read this book, Gentle and Lonely, by Dane Ortland, uh, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. And uh, uh, you can read it in your own, at your own pace, but I'm hoping that I'll be able to have a, a meeting by Zoom to debrief uh, later on, nearer to Easter, when we've had a look at that. And Susan, I would love to encourage you to, to join us for that. One other brief announcement to make. On the subject of prayer, just to remind um, everybody of the weekly prayer pointers or prayer updates. They're coming out each week, which means that uh, hopefully they're pretty much up to date with information for us to be praying about. It's lovely to pray together. So they're easy to print off, attached to the Friday email, or I think available on the website as well. Uh, we'd love you to have them. And we'd love you to feed into those prayer updates as well by sending in your requests. That's easily done through the Contact Us page on the website or in being in touch with the, the church office. So please, just to keep praying and using those prayer updates. And to add my encouragement to come to that prayer day that uh, Monica's mentioned, uh, on Friday evening at 8 o'clock, no, 6 o'clock prayer meeting next Friday, this coming Friday, uh, but uh, that lovely prayer and praise evening at 8 p.m. I'm very grateful to Monica for her inspiration behind that and encouraging us to have a, a big view of God and to praise and worship him uh, in difficult days. Well, I'm going to pray now before we look at that little passage of the Bible that uh, Helen read to us. So let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes to see wonderful things in your word and very specifically, we pray you'd help us to see what a wonderful saviour Jesus is so that we may know him more clearly and love and serve him better. We pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. OK, I want to start us with um, a spot the difference puzzle, actually. Um, so there are going to be a couple of pictures that come up, uh, one on top of the other. Um, 
on the screen. You'll need to focus very carefully to spot the difference between the two pictures. Um, okay, don't focus too carefully because I ought to tell you that uh, this puzzle came out in the Baltimore Sun about a year ago. And uh, then on the 26th of April 2020, they had to print an apology and say they'd made a mistake and put up two identical pictures for people to spot the differences between. I sort of have this vision of families feuding as they tried to spot the differences and couldn't find any. Anyway, there's something similar, it seems to me, in the Bible story that we have read. Uh, my text for our look at this passage is verse 24, where the dad interjects, uh, having been talking to Jesus, he says, I, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. In fact, it was even more pithily expressed in some of the older translations. Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. It was sort of etched in my mind from uh, years of uh, reading this story and being familiar with it. So there's that apparent contradiction in what the dad says, and that yields my first heading this morning, the mixed up dad, because there's that mixture of belief and unbelief in him. His hopes, I guess, over the years have been dashed again and again as uh, he sought to deal with this uh, terrible problem in the life of his child. There had been hopes raised when there'd been the pregnancy to start with. There might have been high hopes in the precious early months with this little guy. And then the milestones had been missed as the little boy developed. His speech didn't turn out as planned, so the hopes were dashed. When there were tantrums, well, it wasn't obviously toddler tantrums, the normal toddler tantrums that were happening. No, no, no. We read in the story, didn't we, that there were convulsions. And they'd grown up having to eliminate all sorts of possible dangers and disasters from the child's life. Uh, he says to Jesus later on, doesn't he, that the fire and the water had been a constant threat for the boy. Anyway, at some point, he hears about Jesus, this amazing preacher who's doing fantastic things, miracles, wherever he goes. And so his hopes are raised again. But when he finally has his opportunity, he gets to uh, where he thinks the action is. Oh, no, at that point, Jesus is away. Remember last week he was up a mountain, uh, that scene of the transfiguration. Well, the hopes are raised because maybe the disciples can help. We can help, they say. Hopes are raised, only to be dashed again because they're unable to help. Jesus comes back from the mountain and we read in the text that everybody was overwhelmed with wonder. There was something about his appearance that lifted their spirits and maybe this dad's spirits again. Does he dare hope once more? For his little boy? Well, verse 24, he certainly prays, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. 
but you get that sense there in that prayer itself that he's a, a mixed up dad and maybe somebody is watching today who feels exactly the same that expresses the way i feel lord i do believe help me overcome my unbelief well the surprise in the text as i was thinking about it this week is that uh, we can turn from the mixed up dad to the mixed up disciples as well you might expect them to be different but actually they're remarkably similar to the father did you notice how a crowd had gathered jesus was up the mountain with three of the disciples peter james and john but uh, when he gets back down there's this hubbub of activity and the nine disciples that had been left are there locking horns with the Pharisees in discussion with them. And Jesus wants to know what they're arguing about. Well, they don't answer. The dad with the son is the one who chirps up. He says, I asked the disciples to uh, cast the demon out of my boy, but they weren't able to do it. And then a very striking statement from jesus in verse 19 he says oh unbelieving generation how long must i stay with you how long do i have to put up with you we're not surprised that he takes that tone in one sense with the teachers of the law but he's obviously including the disciples there he's responding to their inability to cast the demon out of the boy so there is that same apparent contradiction in them, that mixture of belief and unbelief in the mixed up disciples. In chapter six, uh, apparently the disciples have been able to drive out demons, no problem. But now in this case, they can't. And Jesus had to explain to them, he says it in, I think, verse 29, this kind, whatever it was, can only come out by prayer. So if they were tempted to rely on their own abilities and remember their past successes, they won't be able to deal with this situation. They'd only been able to do those things in the past, actually, those amazing things, through Jesus's power. And now, by not praying, they're not relying on that power anymore. They're not praying and therefore in one sense they are not believing. They're part of an unbelieving generation. So they are a mixture of belief and unbelief. They're not so very different from the father. Mixed up dad, mixed up disciples. I've got this image in my mind. Well, I'll put something up on the screen, hopefully, uh, of the glass half full and the glass half empty um, idea. You know, some people see life as a glass half full, some people see life as a glass half empty. The dad, he's pessimistic. I hardly dare hope that there's a way out of this terrible situation that's been around so long. The disciples are optimistic, trading on their past successes. They think, yeah, we'll be able to do this, it'll be fine. But Feeling optimistic can be dangerous as well. If you rely on your powers and your abilities rather than depending on Jesus Christ, 
Well, that's actually a subtle form of unbelief. So it's a relief to turn from the mixed up dad and the mixed up disciples, to turn from looking at them, to think about Jesus Christ, the one who really can deal with the impossible situation that is uh, on our minds today uh, in this story. So my third heading this morning is the merciful and mighty saviour. Um, when the boy is brought to Jesus Christ, it's clear that the situation is every bit as bad as the father has described. There's that terrible ear-piercing shriek when he sees Jesus, and then a violent convulsion. Then when he is delivered of this terrible situation, he, he looks just like a corpse. People think he's dead. So it's a reminder of just how powerful uh, the enemy is, but Jesus is more powerful. And he gives that command. He says, come out of the boy and never enter him again. And that complete deliverance and never entering again is, uh, is what, what Jesus manages to achieve. Now, the question is this. Was that healing the only healing in the story? The healing of the boy? And as soon as I ask the question, it's clear the answer is no. Because, yes, he was a merciful and mighty saviour for that boy in that awful predicament. Maybe I don't fully understand what that is. It wasn't just an illness. There was a, a, a supernatural power that was wrecking and ruining and endangering his life. So there was a healing for him, yes. But... Jesus is a merciful and mighty saviour for the mixed-up dad, that mixture of belief and unbelief, and for the mixed-up disciples. Jesus asked that question, how long must I stay with you? How long must I put up with you? Isn't it amazing that he does put up with us? In fact, the whole incident is a picture of a saviour who dirties his hands in our lives. Last week we had that scene up on the mountaintop. Well, he came down from the mountaintop, from the glory, down to this. So that movement down from glory to grime and grot is a little picture of the love of Jesus Christ for all of us. Here he was heading onwards to the cross where he would die for sin, die for that sin of unbelief that's there in our hearts. He is a mighty saviour and a merciful, patient, gracious saviour, gentle and lowly, as we're thinking about in that uh, book for Lent. Mighty Saviour, merciful Saviour, just the sort of Saviour for mixed up people like you and me. So where does the story leave 
us today? Well, I had intended, I think, as I was uh, preparing and sort of writing the, the script for a sermon in my head, I'd intended to say, well, let's believe our beliefs and doubt our doubts. Uh, and that would have been fine in as far as it went. I am very glad that we have creeds in our services most weeks just to strengthen us in the convictions we have and to act as an antidote against the sort of uh, doubts that we all sometimes feel in our hearts. So I could have said that, but I really want to lead us in a prayer as I close. And I hope that over Lent we'll have opportunities in the services to pause and be quiet and reflect so that uh, those little oases in the services actually picture what we're doing in the whole season of these weeks running up to Easter. But I want to definitely to lead us in a, a prayer today and particularly in that prayer that we've already thought about from verse 24. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief to invite you to make that prayer your prayer because we've seen haven't we the disciples were not so very different from the father in this story i take it that means that i need to pray this prayer we all do oh you might be saying that's all very well simon but what about this situation in my life i've had my hopes dashed in this area or that area for years. My son or daughter who's been holding out against our prayers for them. Or my marriage, the love's really just gone out of the marriage and I just can't see that ever changing anymore. How's that going to change? Somebody else might say, well, I've been praying about this situation at work for years and years and years and nothing seems to ever be any different that work colleague or the boss that is just impossible. Well, surely this story is in the Bible to encourage us not to give up, not while there's a mighty and a merciful saviour. No, he welcomed this prayer from the Father, didn't he? And I take it he welcomes this prayer from us. He loves to answer it. So you might be thinking, well, I'm, I'm just afraid to be honest with the Lord in this particular area or that area. Well, you're saying I can't pray about it anymore. Isn't that exactly the unbelief that Jesus wants us to bring to him? So I'm going to pause in a moment so that we can pray very specifically in the different areas that uh, you might be finding hard at the moment or have been for years. Lord, help me overcome my unbelief in this specific area. My depression, my temper. There was an amazing miracle in the boy, wasn't there? But what the Saviour was doing in the dad and the disciples was amazing as well. We're encouraged to pray for physical healing in the Bible and sometimes we'll see it. But often the impossible areas in our lives 
where we feel like giving up are exactly the areas where God wants to work in us, breaking us and remaking us as we travel those difficult areas with him and bring them to him. So don't be afraid to pray about the areas we find hardest. I'm going to pause now and you fill in the blank, Lord, help my unbelief in whatever area it might be. So remember that prayer, Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief. in praying for the conversion of uh, a family member, help my unbelief in praying for victory over some specific temptation. Help the unbelief that stops me daring to bring to you this or that impossible situation in our family. Or in our finances. Or in our physical or emotional health. Just a moment to fill in the blank, as it were, and bring that area, that area of potential unbelief to the Lord. If you pray about those areas, then that's actually how we express our faith in our wonderful Saviour. And that will be how, you'll see this as you look, but that'll be how he keeps hold of us, even in tough circumstances, impossible circumstances for us to deal with. Lord, I do believe Help me overcome my unbelief. Amen.